May Nestor is in the books and summer sessions are about to commence and it's happening. Summer is here and the produce for which we are most famous is beginning its glorious roll in from our fields. There are peaches. They're early peaches, what we call clingstone, because the flesh is attached to the hard inner pits. Freestone peaches will arrive in the weeks ahead, much easier to slice for your pies and cobblers. Better to just stand over the sink and eat these early ones right out of hand. And the summer squash is beginning. In a month or two, we'll be drowning in it. But for now, it's small and tender, ready to be sautéed or baked or eaten raw, dipped in a creamy herb-filled dressing. Because herbs are thriving now as well. So cut you some basil, tarragon, chives, thyme, cilantro, and perfume everything you're cooking and grilling this month. Summer days and summer produce are here. I'm Claire Houle, a writer and instructional designer at the Center for Teaching Excellence at Midlands Technical College here in Columbia, South Carolina. This season, I'm following the roots and filaments of teaching practice at the college around the set of skills and experience of learning to learn. What skills do you teach? How do you teach them? How could we connect our teaching for our students and each other? This is Instructional Ecology. Friends, we're in the last third of our season about learning to learn. We're on the heels of an episode that ended up being about perspective. Talking about failure led to some very philosophical places and questions, and we'll continue to return to the place of failure and learning in our remaining episodes. In order to come to a new appreciation of failure, we had to step back, look at it from a systemic context. Today, let's do the opposite. Today, I want to do some close reading. I want to define. I want to squeeze the meaning out of words until they give up their reality for us. In short, I want to figure out what on earth it means to study in college. If you are in the higher education game, I'm about to say a few things that you can probably recite along with me. In many, many cases, when students arrive at our doors, they do not know what it means to study. By that, I mean they know that study means focused attention on their subject at hand, but what that practice looks like is opaque to them. What does study mean? Does it mean read the chapter over three times? Does it mean to read your notes five times? Does it mean work a bunch of problems? I remember when I was in high school, my father teasing me with the refrain, Box of the Horse constantly recites in the novel Animal Farm, I will work harder. What does it mean to work harder? Does the sensation of stress and work mean that you're studying? I think for many students, that may be their metric because they don't have any other one. I ask you, how can students succeed despite great willingness and effort if they don't know what to do during study time? Let me answer that. It's lack of study skills that can founder many an academic dream. This question is vital to student success and to the lifelong practice of learning to learn. Once a student knows what to do during study time, they have a useful practice they can take into further education personal hobbies, 
and work development. So has anyone actually taught them study methods in their previous learning environments? Lack of study knowledge affects students at all levels of achievement. Study can and must be taught. And at an open enrollment college where we say we teach people to be lifelong learners, teaching study skills should be an accepted and integral part of instruction. This episode is going to dig into that. What does it mean to study and how can we as a college help students learn this fundamental part of learning to learn? Once people learn methods that work for them and their subject, they can study for a lifetime. So let's talk to two people who are steeped in the answers to these questions. The director of our Academic Success Center and an adjunct faculty member who has tutored for the ASC for years. If you're a faculty member and haven't talked to these excellent people yet, listen sharp because yet another world is about to unfold before you. Our college is a nesting doll of worlds and specialties, and the Academic Success Center is an amazing one. Let's walk over to the Academic Success Center and hear its director give us the context and goals for the center under his guidance and begin to explore the place of study and learning and the place of the Academic Success Center in our ecology of instruction. So my name is Dr. Troy Mokovich. I'm the director of the Academic Success Center and the William Jerry Wood Life Skills Center here at Midlands Technical College. And I joined MTC a little over a year ago in January of 2022. Troy, I'm so um, excited to get your perspective here uh, because you are still at the beginning of your time at MTC. And I found that this first year or so, you know, with an institution, you have such a fresh perspective but also there's so many unknowns and you slowly begin to uncover, you know, um, a really good understanding. So I would love to hear you tell us a bit about um, your, your move from USC to NTC. Um, you're moving to a very different institution with a different population. Tell us a bit about what, um, what you found here. That's right. So I enjoyed my time working for the University of South Carolina um, when I got to Midlands Technical College, the, the student population has so much in common, but it's also unique in its own ways. So, for example, I've seen a lot more non-traditional students here at Midlands Technical College. So we have, have folks who may not have been in a math class for 20 years, all right? So their needs when it comes to math tutoring are going to be vastly different than a student who just graduated high school. Um, and so I found that both their life perspectives, but also their academic support needs are different than the students at USC. Some of them um, here, again, because they haven't had um, that uh, recent experience in the classroom, they may feel a little unprepared or at least underprepared in certain areas. Um, and so we in the Academic Success Center try to meet those students where they are. Um, so some of them may need some more um, intense tutoring sessions, um, some type of remediation, just to get them caught up to where they should be. When we talk, I hear a lot of zest on your part for serving this population, you know, from going to um, a selective four-year um, research institution to an open enrollment. What have you found that's really meaningful and exciting and interesting to you about an open enrollment? 
I see the impact of what the ASC does on a daily basis because we have those students who tell us, you know, like I like I mentioned a moment ago, I haven't been in a math class in 20 years. I'm so lost. I'm so scared. Um, you know, math anxiety is real. Um, for a lot of people, they they can perform well in the course if they can just get over the anxiety. Um, and so when we work with those students and they give us feedback like, um, I, I feel prepared now, or I feel better now, or, um, you know, we have uh, students who come to see me to compliment their tutors and say, I don't think I would have passed if it were not for Luis or Kevin or any of the other tutors. Um, that's really powerful. Um, and so when you're working with students, again, especially ones who um, may be underprepared for the rigors of a collegiate experience, um, to see them get to where they need to be to be successful, um, it, it's really inspiring. I hear you saying that you're listening. You know, you're talking to the students. And I know that you're, you're not just talking to them. You're, you're gathering data, although talking is data, right? I mean, qualitative and quantitative. Tell me a bit about what you're collecting and what it's telling you. Sure. Yeah. So there's a lot of anecdotal evidence, but uh, for assessment purposes, I like to collect some data. So what we do, um, we do that in several ways. Um, so all of the student visits to tutoring are logged into our um, system, um, Achieve. And so I look at that data for certain trends. Um, how many students are coming? How many sessions are we having? Um, and I've been very excited. I feel like um, the efforts of everyone in the ASC um, are really paying off. So when I look at the numbers over the last few years, the just the number of students who attend tutoring, if we compared all of 2022 to 2021, there was a 48% increase in the number of unique students who came to tutoring. Um, that's huge. Um, it's still not where, where I want it to be, um, but I think we're on the, the right path. Now, in terms of the actual tutoring sessions, those students who come usually return from multiple sessions, which tells us, number one, that they're generally happy, which I have evidence about that, too, I'll share in a moment. Um, but the number of individual sessions has increased dramatically. So if we look at sessions from, again, 2021 to 2022, there was a 49% increase in the number of sessions. Now for 2023, obviously I don't have full year data yet. So what I did is I compared the number of sessions from January to March of 2021, 2022, and 2023. So if we look at 2023, January to March, and compare it to January, March of 2021, we've seen an, seen an increase of 184% in the number of tutoring sessions, wow. um, which is incredible. Now, another piece of data that we collect is a tutor satisfaction survey. So this is a way for students to tell us at, at the end of each tutoring session, what were your thoughts? Was it helpful? Um, you know, did, did was your tutor effective? Is this helping you? Um, and then we have an open-ended question at the end to collect some qualitative data um, from students. And I think what's so, um, I guess, well, what's wonderful about the data that we collect is that one of the questions we ask is, were you satisfied with your session? 
100% of students have indicated that they're satisfied. Um, and, you know, it's hard to find 100% of anybody agreeing on anything these days. <laughs> so for 100% of students to say that they were satisfied with their tutoring session is great. Um, in addition to that, we asked students if they would recommend tutoring to their peers. 100% um, of students said yes to that as well. Um, and also, too, if you look at the qualitative components um, that we collect, all the students have had nothing but positive comments. So again, we hear things like, I, I would be lost without this tutor, or this tutor helped me pass the class, or um, one that I find humorous, um, but that I hear often is, you know, can this tutor be available all day, every day? Um, <laughs> so the point with all of that is that when students come to tutoring, they like it and they find it helpful and they want more. Um, I think the biggest obstacle for us as a department and as a college to overcome is getting students connected to the service. That remains one of the great mysteries, right, is how do we bring students into the center? Because what I hear you saying is when they come, they get what they need and they feel great about it and they have more success. So solve this dilemma for us. What, I, there can't be a magic bullet, right? What are the things that you do to try to bring, help get students in the door? So um, something that helps a lot um, are the faculty, right? So we know our faculty members are on the front lines every day working with students. And um, faculty, when they recommend a student to attend tutoring, students will follow through, right? Because um, if I say it, you know, which I have, I create videos for different classes and um, post them, um, send flyers, things like that. But the students don't necessarily know me, but they have that personal connection with the faculty member. So when students receive that information from faculty, I think it has a big impact. Um, we're trying to work with faculty to uh, have uh, tutors visit their classes, um, to introduce themselves, to help, you know, establish some personal connection, build some rapport, because research shows that students, um, when they have a connection to someone, they're more likely to use that service and to show up. Um, I've been in talks with other department chairs um, about different initiatives we could try, such as having faculty members hold office hours in the library and in the Academic Success Center, you know, as another way to draw students in. It's kind of neutral territory. Students don't have to be intimidated about going up and knocking on a faculty member's door. Um, so I think that's another great way that um, students can get involved. Well, for this particular um, focus for this episode, uh, I'm really interested in study. And I know that when we talk about tutoring, so many things, that could mean so many things, right? It, it just depends on what the student needs to do. But I'm guessing that a good number of them do need help for study because uh, what do you find that students think study means uh, when they come to you? That's a great question um, because a lot of folks think of um, traditional tutoring and they think of tutors as, you know, the content experts, the subject matter experts, which they are, but um, we have to remember that they are also role models. Um, so they demonstrate good academic behavior to students. Um, and part of that is time management. Part of that is note taking. Part of that is test taking tips. And part of that is studying. Um, a lot of students um, 
And all of those are so interconnected. So we know, for example, that students who don't have very good time management skills usually don't have great study skills because they're not making the time to study. Um, so the, the tutors, when they sit down with the students, part of it depends on the course and the, the course content, um, but we try to help students make connections with the material. So besides just learning the material, we ask, why do you think that's important? And we get them to think about possible assessments. So why do you think you're learning this? What kind of questions do you think your faculty member might ask you about this? Um, and so we talk about you know, note taking and we talk about reviewing and we talk about, um, again, time management tips like using the Pomodoro technique, for example. Um, and so tutors do serve as role models in a lot of different ways, um, including with the, the study skills. And I'm wondering, um, as, as you're talking, I'm appreciating so much that you are at the nexus of college studenting skills, right? You know, like to tutor is to learn these really specific college learning skills. Um, but, you know, it, it just struck me, I should ask you a question. I should ask uh, other faculty, which is the skills that you give your students are specific to college, but I'm pretty sure they're useful other places. How do you imagine that um, or know that studying skills and these learning skills that you're teaching in this context can be generalized once they're done with MTC? Right, that, that's a great point um, because really we're, what we're talking about is life skills, right? Um, which is why we have the Academic Success Center and the William Jerry Wood Life Skills Center. And most of our study skills help um, actually goes through the Life Skills Center, although as a faculty member, as a tutor, of course, we're all a part of encouraging good study behaviors. Um, and as you mentioned, these are skills that folks can use for life, whether that's, you know, preparing for a job interview, right? So that's the kind of study. Um, these are skills that students are going to use throughout their careers. Um, so it's important to develop them now. You said something several times now, which I'm really appreciating, which is all of these things are so interconnected and we talk about them as though they're separate pieces to the puzzle, but they're really not. Um, so in, in your experience, what what should that tell us about how we support students? Right. So we have to look at the student experience, I think, um, in a holistic nature. Um, because, you know, just the nature of the way that bureaucracies operate, we have different de departments with their own specialized services. But when you think about this area, for example, Academic Success Center, really the whole college is an Academic Success Center, right? That's our whole mission. Um, so we're all part of it. The Center for Teaching Excellence works with faculty who work with students, all right, so you're a part of student success and the Life Skills Center is part of student success and tutors are part of student success. Our librarians are part of student success. And um, I, th I think it behooves us as the professional faculty and staff here to think about how students experience our services um, as a whole, instead of just looking at each individual component. Um, because it's hard to separate one piece from, from another, right? So, for example, if a student uses our counseling services, right, 
we're not just thinking maybe about some uh, personal family relationship issue they may be having um, on its own. We can't really discuss that without also considering the impact that it's having on their academic success. Um, so it's all very related. Um, and a lot of a lot of those issues come up with tutors. So even though we are the academic success center, we just like counseling hears about how relationship issues are affecting academics. We sometimes hear about how academics are affecting personal relationships. So tutors in a sense become, you know, pseudo counselors um, and they tell them like, hey, I'm sorry you're dealing with all of this. Here are some other services I can refer you to. Um, so we have to think about the student experience in a holistic way. Well, I wonder as you you think about the future because you know you you're you're a few years in you know you're 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 getting into it um, and there's so much I imagine that you are are working toward and hoping for. Tell me a little bit about what you see in the future for the ASC. What are you what are you putting into place and and what are you hoping for? Well, my biggest hope is that we can increase the number of students who are interacting with the Academic Success Center in some way. Um, and I think part of that is about changing the culture and changing the narrative around um, student and academic in particular support services. So historically, um, I know some institutions have struggled with the stigma that's associated with tutoring. Some students um, are afraid or ashamed to ask for help. I really want the culture of academic success um, here at Midlands Technical College to be one where we can tell students, everyone goes to the Academic Success Center. It's not just for students who are struggling and need help, but it's also for those students who are doing well and who want to continue to do well. Um, or it's for students who are great at what they do and they can help other people be great at what they do um, because, a big part of my job is recruiting tutors, both professional and peer tutors who can help others. So I think if we could get faculty, um, because again, it's gonna take faculty, staff, um, folks in other uh, departments across the college to help change the narrative, right? So not you have to go to the Academic Success Center, which sounds like you're being punished, but you get to go to the Academic Success Center. I'll always say I want to get more students involved, but it's not for me about the numbers. Um, it's about the positive impact that we can have, which is why I'm so big into collecting qualitative data. And again, all of the qualitative data that we've collected shows that students enjoy the service. They find it helpful. They appreciate it. It works. Um, so if we can just get more students in, earlier in their collegiate career, I think it's going to have a big impact on our retention rate, our success rate. Um, and quite frankly, I just think that uh, students enjoy knowing that the service is available, even if they feel like they don't necessarily need it. They like to know it's there if they should need it. Culture change. You're exactly right. That's that is what's required. And also, that's one of the biggest asks, right? And it only happens when many people are a part of it, as you said, you know, faculty and staff. So how how can faculty and staff connect with you best? Like what how, what would you urge them to do to be your allies and kind of integrating the service and changing our culture for the best? Well, again, the faculty members are the subject matter experts and they're on the front lines. And a lot of them 
have been with Midlands Technical College for years and years and years. Um, so they they see patterns, right? And if they know that there's an area that students tend to struggle with, I would encourage them to reach out to the ASE early and let's put in some support structures that students can have at the beginning of the semester. It would be awesome if you could start your class and you know you give your students the syllabus and you follow it with, and here's what we're going to offer you through the Academic Success Center. Um, and again, part of the, one of the ways I should say that faculty can help is just having tutors and ASC staff visit the classes, right? Because then students realize, hey, we're not scary unknown people, right? This is, you know, Troy from the ASC, or this is the tutor Carlin who helps with psychology. Um, and we know that that works. I had a tutor a couple of weeks ago do some classroom visits and the very same day, she had students from those classes show up for tutoring. So really it's about faculty helping to foster connections um, one way or another. I always help, hate to tell faculty how to do something because they always surprise me with their creativity. They come up with you know, such great ways to integrate services into their course. So it's not for me to tell them how to design their courses. Um, I think that they can do a great job at that. Um, but just to understand that we're here to help them and their students. And it's always better to have the support in place at the beginning rather than waiting till the middle of the semester, see that students are struggling and then scramble to, to come up with a plan. Um, I'm always open to supplemental instruction and embedded tutoring. So um, if, if faculty just taught a course and they had a superstar student, you know, ask the student, would you be willing to help some folks next semester? And if they say yes, send them to me. I will take care of all the paperwork, the background checks, the training that we do. Um, I'll take that all off the faculty member's plate so they can just focus on giving good instruction. As we talk about just, you know, the ASC in general and your goals, and then the specificity of demystifying things like study or time management for students, I, oftentimes that those words don't really mean anything to them. Is there anything else on your mind that you'd like to, to share with our, our little instructional community about what you think about those things? Well, I will actually give a big shout out to our Life Skills Center. So um, Mr. Brad Kaufman is the coordinator of our Life Skills um, Center, the William Jerry Wood Life Skills Center, and he does a fantastic job of meeting with students individually and doing classroom presentations about those important life skills. So time management, study skills, test taking tips, um, communication strategies. Um, again, those skills that we spoke about earlier that are important throughout your life, not just um, in, in a specific course. Um, so I, I think it's important um, that students work with the Life Skills Center in addition to tutoring. Um, so I'll say that we have a lot of services um, and uh, we're ready and willing to help students get a good handle on what those skills are and why they're so important. Um, and I'll finish just by saying that we actually help students create individualized, personalized plans for success. So studying for a nursing student looks a lot different than studying for a welding student. Um, so 
while the topic of study is an important one um, and really a broad field, we really try to customize it to make it practical for students. So for either faculty or students um, who um, know someone who might benefit from those services, I would encourage them to reach out to the Life Skills Center or the Academic Success Center. We'll um, connect them with the resource that we think is most appropriate. It's a holistic way of seeing student services, and I hear him reaching out to faculty and staff as well as to students. Troy is engaged in the work we talked about at the beginning of the season of making as much possible visible to students. He works constantly to demystify. He wants to change the culture of support seeking so that students are eager to contact the ASC for targeted tutoring. He can't do that alone, but in conjunction with faculty and staff, our college culture could remove perceived stigma of seeking support and destroy the barriers previous experience and assumptions have erected. Now, let's dig further into the specific practices of study by talking with an experienced ASC tutor. I met Mike Mills at this year's Adjunct Expo, where he won an Adjunct of the Year Award for his teaching of biology. At MTC, almost 50% of our classes are taught by adjuncts, and we have some incredible dedication and talent in the adjunct community. Mike is also the co-advisor for our school chapter of Phi Theta Kappa Honor Society and was an MTC student himself not too long ago. Get ready to take notes because he's going to really deliver some practical strategies for teaching study skills in classes and in tutoring sessions. My name is Mike Mills. I am a biology adjunct instructor for the uh, School of STEM in the science department. I started working here in 2021 in August, and I look forward to many more years. Mike, it is so great to, to be able to talk to you today. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited to talk about this particular subject because I feel like this is can be one of the great mysteries for students. Um, and that's really where I want to start is when students arrive with us and, you know, they're coming from so many different experiences and backgrounds. Uh, when you get to talk with them, what do they think that studying means? Well, you know, a lot of times uh, they think study means that they're going to sit in their class and the teacher is going to tell them exactly what uh, word for word is on the test. and um, they don't really have to do a lot at home because that's just, they're just not used to it. Um, so I've just come to find that a lot of them really does, don't even know what that means. Um, and it's just, that's, that's was one of the first things that I noticed and that I tried to start tackling, um, when I started the position. What's the effect? I mean, if, if study is a word that is such a black box, right? Like, what does it mean when no one knows how it works and what the guts are? What is the effect of that on, on, on our students? It's just kind of a shock at first because they're, you know, the one-on-one -on -one students mostly because um, a lot of them are fresh, like fresh into college um, out of high school. And um, so they don't really know that they have to go in and uh, do work outside of the class or, um, well, like work outside of the class, but they don't know that it takes a lot of work outside of the class because we only have 
so much time in the classroom. So um, they, they, a lot of them, when I asked in class the other day, they really um, thought they knew what it was, but they really did, you know. What do you show them? I, I'm aware that you're going to wear two hats today, maybe more. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to get your perspective as a tutor of biology, but also as an adjunct professor of biology. So uh, the next question, you can wear either hat or both. What do you show students that study can mean? I kind of do um, the same stuff for both. So like in the tutoring session, you know, I'll have an introductory session uh, where we go over methods to prepare and study, uh, the ways to tackle the class. And the first day, because, you know, um, as a teacher, you use the first day um, to cover like the syllabus and stuff like that. And then you have the rest of the time to teach them how to study Um And uh, because as soon as you get back in the next class and even some of the classes I teach, you have to start the first day, even after the syllabi. So um, uh, day one as a biology instructor, we do a mindset quiz. We do a learning strategies inventory. Um, We do, um, we go over methods to read the textbook. We use a lot of metacognition and uh, I have them do reflection assignments after their exams. And that gives me time to go one on one with them and kind of see how they're studying individually uh, and give them suggestions based on that. Um, And that comes along with uh, I I have something called a checklist for success. So I I have them bring up stuff that they're using off of that. Uh, But in tutoring, you know, I have a good hour just alone with the student um, to, to help prepare, to figure out what's individualized for them, you know? So I kind of work with, with both my students in the classroom and with tutoring and ways to teach them how to learn. And, um, and there is, you know, a lot of times people don't know this, there's difference between studying and learning, you know? So a lot of times, uh, they don't realize that there's a difference, you know, and studying, um, really, and if you put it into words would be sitting down, looking up, definitions of words, trying to prepare for a single test when learning is putting this stuff into memory, like getting hands on and like really understanding the information to where you could pick out, given any kind of situation or any kind of question, um, to be able to figure it out that way, as opposed to just knowing terms and um, definitions. So that might be a source of um, uh, not just surprise to them, but that's sort of paradigm shifting that you're going yes. from, uh, you know, because I recall when I was in high school, my understanding of studying was, I mean, apart from simply doing all of the homework and the projects I was assigned, was you just kind of read it a bunch. <laughs> you just kind of exactly. looked over your notes and you kind of read it a bunch. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, when I got to college, um, big surprise, I had to learn to do different things. So I'm wondering, um, when you... Uh, are in a a tutoring session, Um, I know that you use a very specific structure and I'd love for you to tell us about what is the structure of a tutoring session and then uh, reflect Um, upon how the place of learning, how that student particularly should study, what part that plays in a tutoring session. They're all going to learn uh, differently. So the very first thing I do is start asking about the textbook. Uh, About 95% of the time, they don't read the textbook. Um, no matter how many times you suggest to do it, uh, they won't. 
But uh, I go over, um, first thing I do is go over how to read it. Uh, I, I wish I knew a lot of this stuff when I was in school too, because it would have helped me out. Because um, I wasn't very good at reading a textbook through college. Uh, but since I've had this job, I've learned um, that if you preview it twice before you actually read it, um, it's going to be very, very helpful. So you you start off initially by going in and reading all the headings, you know. Um, so you go through and read all the headings and you're kind of giving yourself this big picture of what you're about to tackle. You know, so you're kind of just giving yourself this bright idea with this big picture. Um, what's what's about to happen? And so after that, you go through and you read all the bolded words, the italicized words, and you start asking yourself questions about them. So uh, if we're putting a class, uh, say in an A and P, we have uh, negative feedback and positive feedback. So those two words are, um, those two words would be bolded for sure. And so you're asking yourself, what's the difference between uh, these feedback systems? Um, what are they in general? And so by giving yourself these questions, you can either write them down or just think about them. You're giving yourself a goal now. You know, so you've given yourself a big picture with the first first preview. You're giving yourself a goal with the second preview. And by the time you go back and to actually read it, you're so interested in answering your own questions, you're not going to be distracted. You tend to stay on those words until you find your answer. You know, I was in graduate school before um, any professor or teacher said to me that learning should be question-driven but it should be questions that I myself had created. I was so right. used to having the questions come externally, right? Mm -hmm. That to think, oh, wait, well, wait a minute, I could come up with my own questions. Um, and that's what I hear you saying is that you're telling the student that study is not about necessarily looking at answers. The study is asking questions that motivate you to find the yeah. answers. Exactly. Yeah, and uh, really, <laughs> a lot of people just find themselves uh, hard to motivate to sit down and do it. You know, that's like, that's one of my hardest things is just motivating students to actually get it done and to, to do it. Um, but other things I do, uh, I talk about recoding. So when they're writing their definitions, they're writing words like that, they need to put it in their own words. You know, because if you can understand stuff in your own words and in somebody else's words, you could probably understand it if somebody else states it. In their own words, um, you know, this is it's called recoding. Um, I also talk about chunking, um, splitting up your studying into small blocks. So with breaks. Um, so I generally recommend focus timer apps. I know Pomodoro has a good uh, focus timer app um, where you study for like 30 minutes. Uh, timer goes off. You will take a break. A timer will go off tell you to study again. Another timer goes off to take a break. And uh, this is, you know, it's the same reason your phone numbers and social security cards are grouped into threes and fours. It's much easier to remember those smaller chunks of information than it is to remember the big, much bigger ones. Um, and just recall, recalling information. Uh, a lot of people will, if they do go in and read the book, they'll either just read it once or they won't take notes while they're doing it or um they won't review their notes after. So some people will just come into class and write the notes down and then that's what they take. Uh, but if they come and take time and uh, write their notes, maybe write them again in their own words, um, perhaps type them or make some flashcards or something. Every time you recall that information, 
it's just going to help um, solidify in your memory. So I hear that you've got you've got a nice big toolkit um, that you can draw from for these individual tutoring sessions. You know, so as each student comes in, you come to learn them. What are they trying to learn? Who are they as a learner? And then you would give them some strategies. What about as you're building a course? So as you're teaching your biology courses, how do you salt the class with study lessons? How does that look uh, in your classes? Well, of course, I use the reflection assignment. So um, I take each of the student will give me exactly what they've done to prepare. And, you know, sometimes it's just I studied a little bit last night and this is the grade I've made. Um, but yeah, we talk about stuff all the time. So I've uh, implemented a new um, format of lecturing to motivate them in participating. Um, so uh, instead of using these old school PowerPoints that are full of jargon, a lot of it being unnecessary for what they're learning, because, uh, you know, I'm an adjunct, so I don't have time. I had, like I started teaching immediately after finishing my master's pretty much. So I didn't have time to go and build my own PowerPoint. So I, I'm using manufactured ones like uh, from our publishers, you know. And uh, so this semester, I'm just using picture PowerPoints and I am writing notes down with everybody else. So I, I have a piece of paper under the dot cam and I am writing notes. I'm color coding them. So I'm switching colors often. Um, I'm asking lots of questions to garner discussion. And uh, not only does this help kind of, you know, because I had a bad problem first uh, going really fast through my lectures and trying to figure out like what what to do now. <laughs> so uh, this has helped me slow down my lectures a lot to make sure um, I'm going uh, not too fast. People are too busy trying to write every word that's on these PowerPoints, even though they're provided for them. Um, that they don't ever hear what I'm saying. And so it's slowed down the lecture. It's motivating them to actually write their notes. It's motivating them to actually ask questions. And um, I, I'm, I'm really uh, looking forward to seeing how this format evolves and continues to motivate. Um, uh, I know for a while I was motivating with like candy and, and then we do play games and stuff too. Uh, games are, are motivating because competition really brings out uh, something in people, especially like um, uh, the age right out of high school. But, you know, as I hear you working with the students, you know, you're you're essentially sort of um, you're you're working together to break down the lecture to work together. But as you're using all of those color coded pens, I feel that you're also modeling for them note-taking and a kind of study. This is something they could do at home. Right. Because uh, I know that you use different colors for different kinds of things you're writing down, main ideas, questions, um, topics, headers, details. And so you are showing them your, your own minds working, right? Yeah. You're showing them how you're analyzing information as you are receiving it and as you're bringing it into your attention. And I love what you just said too, about how you're interested to see how this is going to evolve, yeah. right? Because you know, you're know you here at the beginning of a career and I very much appreciate that you have this great sense of fluidity. Like, okay, I'm doing this now and it works now, but you know, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna think of some other things. I started so quick out of my master's um, and I considered, my time in school, after I knew I wanted to be an instructor, I used that time as on-the-job training. 
and there was a lot of stuff. I was like, I want to use this. I want to use this in class. And there's a lot of stuff like, there's no way I'm using this. You know, if I, if I use this, it's just going to be the same old lecture, same old boring stuff that made me want to pass out. And I was really into that groove of doing stuff I didn't want to do. And so I was taking some workshops over at the CTE and um, I did the mindset workshop with, with Alice Davis, my good friend, Alice Davis. Um, and immediately after I was like, I, I need help. <laughs> you know, I, I've noticed that I thought that I knew exactly what I was going to do when I started. And it turns out I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> so like, um, I, I was like, there, there's gotta be ways. So she immediately um, suggested some books. Uh, I even sent me some and uh, I've read those books and I've implemented a ton of that stuff. And I've just seen improvement across the board uh, with every bit of it. You are so involved in the cycle of learning for yourself and for your students. You, you're just so invested in, in both of those processes, their process, and you're also just so aware of your process, um, which is just such a, a great um, place to be in one's practice. And we move in and out of that over careers, right? There are times right. when we're really into it and other times where we're like, okay, well, I'm just gonna phone it in until I feel better. Um, but you are really so present right now. You know, because I hear a lot of stories about some instructors not being so approachable. So I want to be I want to be very approachable. I want people to be able to talk to me because I enjoy the people aspect. I'm, uh, I know this is hard to believe, but I am a people person. Uh, that was, of course, that was sarcastic. Uh, I love people. I love interacting um, with people. I love being uh, in front of people uh, talking. I love I just love everything about it. It's clear to me that um, teaching and tutoring have great meaning for you. Um, and you've talked a bit about your enjoyment of it, but um, what uh, what meaning does it have to you um, doing this kind of work at an open enrollment college? This is where you wanted to be. You were determined to return yeah. mm -hmm. to MTC to teach. Why? Well, you know, I one of the main things that wanted me to come back to that, this school was I just had some great instructors. When one, uh, my first um, A&P instructor was Robert Markey. And uh, we both recently won uh, awards together. So it was like really crazy full circle, but um, I wanted to be the person motivating. You know, it's like, um, I have students come up to me all the time when they're like, um, I really appreciate everything you've done for me. That really hits me in the, in the in the feels, <laughs> you know, that uh, that makes the whole job worth it. They're they're telling me these things, and when I go and read my evaluations, um, hearing stuff like uh, you know, uh, you've really opened my eyes on how to approach uh, life, even you know, because I don't just work on biology, I work on uh, email etiquette, I work on uh, professionalism, I work on um, being open, talking to people. I work on, um, you know, you have to make good connections. You know, sometimes if you, if you don't make a good connection, uh, you can't use that connection later on in life. Um, you know, I, I don't just work on biology. I work on so many other things. I work on just, I guess, life in general. Um, and I guess that makes me more approachable. I think that um, oftentimes people have come to see school as separate from life. But perhaps we do our best work 
when we show that it is integral to life, that it is life, it's not something apart, it's not something away, it's something that is embedded and intertwined. And I hear the work too that you're doing is you, you make a lot of things very visible for them that in many cases are quite obscure when you're in high school um, or, you know, in, in the old days, you know, when we taught differently, we weren't quite as attentive to, as you say, all of the other things that have to happen. And you make a success checklist. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about your, your checklist. Uh, why did you build that and what's on it? What does it do for them? All right. So the checklist for success is, you know, it's I built this with my good friend, uh, Alice Davis over at the CTE. It's a lot of it is kind of no nonsense. But uh, when you uh, have it in print and you put it in someone's hands, uh, they're more likely to use it. But it's, you know, the first part, it's um, coming to class is important. You want to come to class. Um, Why do you want to come to class? Uh, Because you're going to miss information if you don't come to class. You know, you're going to miss uh, important announcements. You're going to miss stuff. So I'm like not just putting that you you shouldn't miss class. I'm telling you why you shouldn't miss class. Um, I'm putting the textbook. I'm telling you that you don't need to read it once, but you may need to read it twice. Um, I'm telling you to answer the questions at the chap at the end of the chapter. I'm telling you to read your video or watch your videos. Um, I'm suggesting if you need it uh, to go to tutoring. I, I've put links to uh, articles about how handwriting uh, is very good to solidify memory. Um, I have my number, my contact. I got tutor.com links on there, uh, biology crash course links on there. Um, Time management stuff. So buying a planner and putting all of your dates in it at the beginning of the semester, scratching them out as you go along. That's that's how I did my entire eight and a half years of school. If if I didn't have my paper planner, I would have been lost. So that's when we and and I used that as part of my reflection assignments. You know, so there's questions like, what have you used off the checklist? Is there anything you're not using on the checklist? Um, Just so they're self aware that they should be using it. They you know. I hear you inviting them in so many different ways to make their choices, to to try things and see what works for them. And you just have a constant invitation. Come along, try this. Let's do this. You you know, but we all get to make our choices. You know, they they can choose not to. um, And that often has a, a different impact on their success. I know that music was such a big part of your life. Um, And I know that you draw, I mean, you're still a musician um, and you draw on all of that performance experience that you've garnered over your your years as a performer. And I know that you have a really great metaphor Mm -hmm. for the energy when you teach. Tell me that metaphor and why why it works for you. So um, my uh, energy performance level metaphor for a musician does transfer well to being an instructor. So you start with a full gas tank at a performance. And as long as the crowd is getting into it and receptive to your playing, having a good time dancing, uh, hooting and hollering, um, your gas tank's staying full. You know, so they're feeding off of you, you're feeding off of them. And it works in the class. So if I'm in class, I'll start with a full gas tank. And if everybody's like looking down inattentive, not uh, interacting, not discussing, my gas tank is going to get real low real quick, you know, so not, nobody's going to have fun then, (laughs) you know, so uh, it's going to be boring instructing, it's going to be boring discussion, if any, 
Um, so you have to, like, I've just been trying to find ways to make it fun, you know, um, to where everybody's into it. Everybody's looking. Um, everybody's going, asking questions. Eyes are open. Everybody's up because without it, yeah, you, it's hard to it's hard to stay motivated yourself if you're not getting um, the the reception uh, the reception that you need. For sure, there's there's so much energy in teaching, and it's an exchange. Um, no one gets to just check out <laughs> because when right. the tabs are checked out or one is, it's uh, like you said, it drains the tanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and speaking of tanks, I know that you are here at, at the beginning of your career, um, which is beginnings can be so fraught, but they can also be so incredible as you look ahead and you're like, gosh, this is just the start of all of these things. When you look ahead, what what are your hopes of the future, maybe for your own teaching, maybe for the college as a whole, our students? What, what do you see in the future? Well, you know, I... I see improvement on my end. Um, I see um, through improvement on my end, uh, students will be more successful um, in anything. But, you know, not just biology, because, you know, as a one-on-one instructor, you have a lot of people that are engineering students or business students that will never take another biology again. You know, so um, if they leave satisfied even just a little bit, um, that's good. And I have uh, high hopes that um, through my class specifically, that they will be motivated to do anything that, that they put their minds to. Again, because I don't, I don't just use biology. I want them to be ready for anything. And biology is a good step because it's hard. It's a hard subject. Uh, it's a hard subject for them to grasp. And if they can come in here and do well in this class and take all the suggestions that I give them, um, it's really going to help them in their future. And that's uh, me being a stepping stone in their future. That's that's where I'd like to see myself in the future, like being a, a stepping stone for many students along the way, because um, it's very um, it is very satisfying uh, when you when you are successful helping students. Um, but I do. Yeah, I, I'd see myself being here for a while. I definitely like to be um, full time at some point. Um, you know, for several reasons. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I, I'm still at the beginning, so I'm still learning, but I, I would like, I, I, I would like to be one of the best at what I do. And that's what I'm going to strive for. I don't know. There's a better goal. Yeah. Being the best you can be, I think is, is one of the best. Friends, the webpage for this episode is just bursting with content for you. We've got ways to contact the ASC and some resources from them, as well as directions on how to do some of the study teaching activities Mike mentions. We've also got his reading list and his checklist for success there, if you'd like to have a look and make use of them. Mike says he doesn't just want to teach biology, he wants to teach life. He doesn't see classroom and the rest of the world as separate. They're all in the world together. This holistic perspective and approach is clearly improving student experience and success, as well as making Mike's teaching life rich and meaningful. I feel like this episode has added so much crunchy detail to our exploration of learning to learn. Study is quantifiable and teachable. This is another set of practices that we can make visible and explicit in our courses and student support. There doesn't need to be any mystery or inside scoop on these very well-studied skills. 
and the ASC is ready to connect with faculty and staff. I hope you'll reach out and go meet Troy and his tutors and see how a better partnership could benefit you and your students. Only connect. That will be the topic of our next episode when we talk about the vital importance of connection and learning. We'll talk to Brad Kaufman, another member of the Academic Success Center that Troy mentioned, who runs our William Jerry Wood Life Skills Center. And we'll talk with Angela Griffin of Psychology, who is another treasure trove of information and perspective on this topic. Angela has really put in the time with reflection in her profession and has tremendous insight on teaching and learning at the college. We hope you'll join us in the green depths of summer and further into the web of our community. 